time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome everyone to a special episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Aaron, and we are very excited because for the first time we are podcasting with a couple of friends of ours, our Feelin' Film contributors, Don and Steve. Patrick is here with me, and we are ready to do our second annual Summer Movie Challenge. If you were with us last year, we kicked this off by challenging a fellow podcast, Popcorn Theology, to a competition. And we did this little Summer Movie Challenge with them where we make predictions about which movies will make the most money at the box office between May 1st and Labor Day. In the end, Patrick and I, as a team, emerged victorious. We were both part of a three-way tie. That is absolutely crazy, and I would be shocked if that ever happened again. Uh, but we did win. This year, it's going to be a little different because it's just the four of us kind of going against each other, 1v1v1v1, but uh, it's going to be fun. Guys, I'm so excited for this episode. Like I was telling you guys off air, I've been thinking about it all day, rearranging my list, as I'm sure you guys have, but uh, I'm so happy to have you all here. Thanks for coming. Steve, how you been doing, man? Good. Excellent. I've also been looking forward to this all day, and I mean all day, because it's almost midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess a special thank you for uh, staying up so late to facilitate those of us, me, on the West Coast. I, I appreciate uh, the offer to come back on and, uh, and have some fun with you guys. Uh, yeah, thank you. It'll be good. Don, how about you? How, you been, uh, you've been, you know, have you had your picks made for a while now, or have you been changing them up until the last second? I admit I've had my picks done for a little while, and uh, I, I'm one of those kind of sheet of integrity kind of guys where once I make a list, I'm kind of set. Well, that's pretty impressive, and uh, we will see how that serves you. I'm glad that this is being recorded so we can go back and, you know, put, call call you out on that if it, if it doesn't work out. Patrick, last but not yes, least, sir. are you ready for this round two? I'm not ready for this at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've changed my picks. I have no integrity. I will probably end up changing my picks as you guys start picking. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. I'll pick that for my number three. <laughs> no, I hope not. I, I've... I've tentatively locked in my ten and my and my three dark horses, and I'll uh, I'll verbally say right now that honor system. I'll keep my picks as they are. All right, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't maybe. believe them. I promise, <laughs> maybe. Well, um, it's going to be a good time. I'm excited to find out what you guys chose and uh, and whether or not mine line up with them or not. But before we get started, I just want to go over a couple of notes. First of all, I want to again credit the slash film cast this is a podcast that first got me very much introduced into film criticism as far as podcasting goes and really inspired the creation of feel and film in a big way i stole this idea from them patrick and i talked about it we thought it was awesome so we changed the name a little bit to own it but the the truth is it was their show that led us to this idea the cool thing of course is that they stole it too from uh time travel reviews Summer Movie Pool is what it was originally called. And I have linked to that in the show notes because I want you guys to know that that's where it came from originally. This is an awesome idea, and we need to give credit where credit is due. 
That being yes, I'd like to, let me let me just add to that as far as credit. I'd like to offer some credit as well. We've got a fantastic scoreboard that will be displayed on the website after we all put our picks in. And uh, that was not an original concept. That was also, quote, borrowed. <laughs> but I'd like to thank Paul Baker, who originally came up with the scoreboard for the Slash Filmcast. And then for us, subsequently last year, uh, we tweaked it a little bit, and with the help of Francisco Ruiz over at the uh, Retro Rewind podcast, I was able to get the uh, the movies locked in and ready to roll for us. So I appreciate you guys for uh, for helping with the technical side of that. Absolutely. Without that stuff, it just wouldn't be nearly as fun. But this way, we have the visual that we can you know take a peek at all summer long, and talking smack is at least half the fun of this whole whole venture. All right, so. What are we here doing? What is it that we are talking about? The 2017 Summer Movie Challenge rules. This is how it works. The object is to pick the films that you think will be the top 10 grossing films of the summer in order of box office performance. So that means only films released between May the 1st and Labor Day weekend, counting only the money that these films make domestically, that's U.S. and Canada for our calculations. In other words, films from March or April might still be making money after May 1st, but they don't count. Think Fate of the Furious is a good example of that. Films released from May on, basically we're talking Guardians of the Galaxy 2 forward, will start racking up foreign box office as well, but that also doesn't count. The box office numbers are generally available late Monday or Tuesday, these are going to auto update in our score scoreboard as they come out. So as the web, I think it's, is it box office mojo, Patrick, that we're pulling from or uh, yeah. Yeah. Box office mojo is the, uh, is the source. Okay. So as they update their numbers, our scoreboard will repopulate and recalculate the positions of each person. Um, in addition to the top 10, we also will be choosing three dark horse films. And these are the ones that we think might make it into the top 10, but that we're not quite confident enough to call them. Now, how does the scoring work? Well, this is a little bit complex. So I'm going to go over it here, but it's also in the show notes and in the blog post on our website. So if you don't pick it up right now while I'm talking about it, go back, read over it. It'll make a little bit more sense. And then once you see the scoreboard with numbers, it'll make a lot of sense. How it's going to start is that there is, it is weighted to get number one or number 10 correct. Those are the two that you really want to hit on. For number one and number 10, you get those correct, it's going to be worth 13 points each. You'll get 10 points if you get number two through nine correct. You'll get seven points if your pick is only one spot away from the, the spot that it ends up. You'll get five points if it was two spots away. You'll get three points if your pick is anywhere in the top 10, no matter where it lands. And you'll get one point for every dark horse that actually makes it into the top 10. So the scoring is tabulated so that you get the single highest point value for each pick. That is, if you get number 10 right, you don't get 13 plus 3, you only get 13 points. The special thing that we're doing this year is that we are inviting you to play along. Last year, we had a ton of feedback and interest, and everybody wanted to join in the fun with us. So we were able to get that done. Stay tuned until the end of this episode, and we will explain how you can submit picks yourself. 
All right. Well, with all that out of the way, guys, I think it's time to let the th- chips fall where they may and uh, see how this shakes out. So I'm going to throw it out there. Who wants to have the guts to go first and tell us what movie they're picking at number one? I think that's easy because I think we all have the same film at number one. Okay. Well, well, you just wait. I'll go first. See. I'll go first. All right, Don, let us have it. Uh, yeah, to me, the number one film this summer is completely obvious. I think you guys are all crazy if you don't pick Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, Marvel is just too good. The film is just too popular. I mean, come on. It's starring the uh, the absolute lead actor extraordinaire of Passengers. So, I mean, it has to be amazing. So, <laughs> the uh, last film, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, was a summer surprise being a diva superhero film. And it made $333 million. I think with this film in the prime location of May, um, with the buzz that it has, with with the track record Marvel's going for, if this film doesn't make north of four hundred million dollars, yeah, I, I give up trying to come up with this kind of list for any kind of year. Um, this movie should make four hundred million plus, um, if not even flirting with four fifty, even five hundred, if you really get a good role going and it has repeat business. But that's a slam dunk number one for me. Wow, I love that you had to dig Patrick and I's love of passengers right off the bat. I can see, I can Absolutely. see where this is going. It had to be done. <laughs> Had or to be done. Disc- oh, here's the disconnect button. Here it is right here. Oh, <laughs> Take six. Yeah. Well, Steve, <laughs> as the other first-timer here, why don't you uh, go second? What's your number one? Well, I, I have been going back and forth for weeks between Annabelle 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy, but uh, I, uh, I, too, landed on Guardians. Uh, I, I agree with Don. I think, I, I think it's a slam dunk. That it would be a major upset if they weren't number one. Um, looking back at, uh, I think it was 2014 when the first Guardians came out, um, they went up against a, a similar lineup of movies that they're going up against this year. And that's when a lot of people didn't even know who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. Now that they do, with all the, the hype and the marketing behind it, um, there, there's I, I think Don's even light at the 450 to 500 range. I think they, they clear half a bill easily. Wow, domestic? Yep. That would be, that would be like, record breaking yep. or something. That would be insane. For the it, it for the summer, done. for the summer, it would be insane. We mock what we don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Patrick, uh, is the trend going to continue? Oh yeah, it will. I mean, I, I I couldn't pick anything but Guardians for number one, and I, I think what cinched it for me was the announcement of what five credit scenes <laughs> that, exist, oh. that are announced. Oh gosh. I, I I kind of groaned when I saw that, and I said, you know what? I'm going to be the guy that just sticks it to him and says, I'm leaving after the credits start rolling. I don't care about these, in- but I'm not going to be that guy. No, I'm you're not. Up- no, you're not. Yeah. You're going to love gonna them. Be- yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> As I roll my eyes, I'm going to love them. Same here. But yeah, I mean, I, I echo what these guys say. It's it's just, I mean, it, it was a surprise coming out uh, for the first film because these are these are you know second-tier characters in the Marvel Universe, and the success that it had only just it just it invites more success. I mean, because you're getting the same actors, you're getting the same director, right? James Gunn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is correct. Yeah. So you know, you you're really if if this is a miss, it's going to be the biggest miss of the summer, I think, um, or the biggest letdown. It'd be a shock if it didn't if it didn't get number one. Well, I, you know, I will be honest with you guys, and up until I would say today. I did not have Guardians of the Galaxy as my number one. Um, And I think, no, listen, listen, listen. I I was trying to will 
myself into picking something else into having the guts to say something else is going to be able to be there. And there is a film that I believe can challenge it. I really do. The emoji movie, right? It's the emoji <laughs> movie, right? <laughs> yeah, you should, there's an emoji I'm making right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I'll get there when I get there. But I think at the end of the day, I have to agree with you guys. And I have to say that, you know, I was burned last year by Civil War. But it was a little bit of a different scenario. And I, I, and I agree with and echo everything you guys have said. The marketing behind this the charismatic lead star power of of, uh, Chris Pratt and the critical response probably is what swayed me. A a bunch of major critics got to see this earlier this week before this recording and every single one of them came out of it raving. And that, that kind of just told me, you know what, this is, this is the response to last year's BVS and just, and uh, not just justice league BVS and suicide squad letdowns for a lot of people. Uh, this is a different tone of of superhero movie, and this is gonna just this is gonna blow everything out of the water. I mean, I I kind of want to be different and be contrarian, but I can't. So I'm going Guardians as well. Well, then what's your number two? If that what was nipping on its heels? All right, so you want me to start off? Then I'll start us off yeah, with number two. Uh, my number two and the film that I do still truly believe could challenge this is Despicable Me Three, <laughs> and I'm not joking. Um, you know, this franchise, if you guys look back at the numbers, has been amazing. This is a, almost a guaranteed billion-dollar franchise right here. Now, crazily, we have about four of those franchises in this lineup. But animated films always do well. There's always one that is right up there in, like, the number one, two, three slot. Last year, we had two in the top three, and one of those was Secret Life of Pets. And that sucker has nowhere near the fan base and the family pull that Despicable Me and its series does. I I really do think this can challenge Guardians of the Galaxy, and I won't be surprised at all if it squeaks out a win just barely. But uh, I'm going to have to go with it as my number two. You know, I'll, I'll follow you. I'm right there with you. It's my number two as well. Oh, um, great. It's seriously that you're completely I, exactly right. Uh, the numbers on that thing on that franchise track just too strong. Uh, both of the last two films, Despicable Me Two and Minions, were both north of 330 million domestic. So, if this movie even takes a matches that, that's 330. That's plenty. That's going to top the other things that have track records in the 200s on this list and in this summer. It it's. It was a note. I mean, as much as you said it was a nip into the heels of number one, it was easily the the number two for me as well. I'm right there with you. Well, that's good to hear, and also bad to hear because now I'm not separating myself. Patrick, what about you? <laughs> What's your number two? Well, I, you know, I I feel like this is going to be the summer of the blockbuster. And again, every summer has blockbusters, but you know, I'm just going to kind of I'm going to kind of tip my hand a little bit here and say that I've got lots of blockbusters at the top of my of my top ten. I think I think Spider-Man Homecoming is going to make make a run. And I say that because I believe that the presence of Spider-Man in Civil War and the positive buzz around him, I think people are ready to see him in a proper uh Marvel universe that doesn't have to ignore the Avengers, doesn't have to ignore um his his own you know, enemies here and there. And I think with the, you know, coupled with, with Tony Stark as his mentor, I think that movie has a huge, uh, 
powerful pull to get a lot of people in the theater. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of harkening back to Sam Raimi and just how big Spider-Man was when, when, when he brought that around. And I feel like this is sort of a, hey, we're gonna do it right this time. As much as I liked the Amazing Spider-Man, not necessarily the sequel, I feel like Spider-Man: Homecoming is literally that. It's it's coming, bringing him back to a place of like tons of fun, high flying, CG everywhere, um, and you've got just a fantastic cast in here. So for me, it's got to be Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, I know I'll be there, you know, opening weekend to see that. I'm really excited about it, and I'm hoping that enough people are excited about it to see it more than more than once. Nice, nice. Well, Steve, are you with one of the one of the two picks we've already heard, or are you going a different direction with number two? Well, um, it was interesting that uh, Patrick brought up that he, he enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man, but not so much the second, because I, I pretty much uh, despised and eviscer- eviscerated both of those movies. I, I just <laughs> and it was it had nothing to do with you know Andrew Garfield or Emma Stone. I just just thought they were poorly constructed and just hackneyed and cheesy, um, and and it's and I struggled with um, with Spider-Man on this list because I, I don't know if the sour taste is still in a lot of people's mouth from that. Um, but to your point, um, we've got a taste of this Spider-Man, and it tastes good. Um, you know, we we saw him in um, uh, what did we see him in Avengers. And, Civil War. Uh, Civil War. That's right, yeah. sorry. Um, and, and Tom Holland looks just like an inspired choice for that role. Uh, I think people are, are going to be a lot more excited that Marvel has their hands in the cookie jar this time. I agree. Um, and and I'm, I'm drinking the same Kool-Aid that Patrick is, and I've got Spider-Man Homecoming at number two. Wow, this is good stuff. I like it already. <laughs> Steve um, just made me really hungry. He's talking about I cookie know. jars and <laughs> it tastes so good. Man, I need little clips of that audio that we could start putting in memes and gifts. It's, me right it's good stuff. Steve needs to learn the podcast etiquette. You don't talk about stuff you can't get to for an hour when you're doing a podcast because that's just not nice. Um, so, Patrick, uh, go ahead and lead us off with your number three. All right, so this is the summer of the big blockbuster. It's also the summer of Welcome Home. And for me, my number three is going to be Alien Covenant. I feel like Ridley Scott. Wow, indeed. And I'm like super hyped for it. I hope you know what? A muscle reaching for that. I hope you're right. (laughs) This is from a guy who doesn't really care for the Alien franchise that much. But what I do appreciate is bringing people to a franchise and bringing people to a film with, you know, original creativity, like the, the original guy, you know, behind, uh, the alien movies, you know, you've got Ridley Scott, who I think is just a phenomenal director and what he does well, I think lends itself to making a great film like alien covenant. And this is probably, you know, this could be a spot on or a complete miss and I'm okay accepting that. But I feel like because of this franchise and the success of it, even with its ebbs and flows here and there, I feel like with the with the creative team in place and the cast, this is going to be um, a top notch film. I think it's going to be very successful domestically. People are going to be like, "I'm, you know, Alien is back, people!" And especially with the uh, future installments that have been announced, I think that this is going to kick off a, a new generation of people that are going to fall in love with the Alien franchise. Man, I hope you're right. I I will happily eat crow and and be wrong in this this game if alien covenant is good enough that it makes number three on this list 
See, I want him to be wrong so that I can win. Uh, no. <laughs> Come just, on. Yeah, just be honest. <laughs> uh, Steve, what's your number three? Uh, um, no big thing here for me on this one. Um, uh, there's a lot of – I think there's three solid animated flicks this year, and you know one of them is going to uh, sneak up there, and I don't think you can – um, you can ignore the, the power of the minions even in their third turn. And I ended up with Despicable Me 3 at, at number three. Um, it, it's, it, you know, looking historically at, I actually consider this sort of a um, a lesser year for anime. I mean, there's no, the Pixar, pick, the Pixar movie this year is, you know, the third installment of a, what I would say an average Pixar movie um, and Despicable Me, I think just has, has more marketability behind it. Um, I mean, the minions are just timeless um, and, I, and I think they're going to slide up to number three pretty easily. Excellent. They're not going not gonna to challenge for Guardians of the Galaxy though. <laughs> well, that can be like a little side bet. Um, okay. <laughs> Dom, what do you got? Uh, I'm right there with uh, where the trends have kind of shuffled just a different order. Spider-Man Homecoming is my number three. Um, I do think this film gets a rub and a boost from uh, Robert Downey Jr. and its inclusion in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, uh, no Spider-Man film has ever made less than $200 million. Uh, and for me, when you have um, that, that – if, if that's its floor and you have the MCU kind of rub here – you have to, I have to think that the new floor, the, the best case early ceiling has to be, you know, two fifty, three hundred million dollars, where to me that's that's right there with that's behind Despicable Me Three and its track record of always being north of three hundred and it's and it's above that next tier of things because I think that that rub from the MCU is gonna do is gonna do wonders. The one reason why I think I had Spider Man homecoming at number three and not at number two was just timing of the year i think it'll um not that it can't make its money and go but um it'll just be a little more competitive by the time you get to july 4th than if this was may you know so um i think this pick will be having a few weeks on it with a june release uh should do just fine enough to push it above spider-man so spider-man homecoming is my number three Whew. well uh i will i will voice my thoughts on spider-man a little later but um for me, I'm not going Spider-Man, and I've already picked Despicable Me 3, so that means I get to introduce a new movie. You know, there's a franchise out there that makes lots and lots of money, and it really doesn't matter if the movies are any good at all, or not. So, I Uh-oh. have to go with... oh pass the rum. Pass the Patrick's rum. favorite director, the one and only Michael Bay, and Transformers <laughs> The Last Night. That is my number three. Listen... This is a franchise that's going over a billion dollars total. I mean, it's going to happen. It, it, it's happened every time almost. I think every time. I say almost. Uh, it, it is critic-proof. It is marketing-proof. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say about it. It's got Anthony Hopkins in it this time, so they're going to pull on a whole nother level of, of A-list actor bringing into this thing. And I, I truly believe this may be a better film from what I've been reading and what I've heard. So... You put that with the the marketability of this sucker and, and what it's done in the past, and I just think it's going to do gangbusters. Uh, I just I can't go against it. I don't I don't love the series. I I do watch them and I do enjoy them, and I I can't imagine this doing. I think what was it? Trans what was the last one? The last one was Age of Extinction, 
and I believe it yes, came sir. in second that year to Guardians of the Galaxy, and that was one of the worst Transformers flicks we've had. So if this is a good one, I can't see how it could do any worse than three, and I almost had it too. But well, Eric, you... you think we found a Transformer? Oh, jeez. Yeah, see, I, my, Mark, my Mark Wahlberg rants are becoming legendary, so yeah, I can't. And you just called Anthony Hopkins an A-list actor. What has he done? Come on. Silence of the Lambs? That was 27 years ago. Westworld. That was on television. <laughs> He's still nothing. acting. He, yeah, he also called in, Michael in Bay crap a like this. Hey, listen, I don't, don't bring up no. the genius comment. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to bring it up every time this movie fails. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Moving on. You guys are going to have this on your list somewhere. I know that. So number oh, four. I, yeah. Number four. Right. Uh, somebody take a stab at it. I'll go number four here uh, and introduce a new film. Um, yeah, you're right because Transformers isn't that far away. But my number four, I'm going to take a shot here. When you use the term critic proof, um, I'm going to slide over from Marvel over to DC. Uh, I think Wonder Woman has a legit chance to kind of cleanse the palate, to put something good out there, and to 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 make a better statement than what was done the last two films. Because, and I think the track record and the embedded audience is still there. Uh, Suicide Squad made 325 million dollars. Batman versus Superman made 330 million dollars. If that to me. If those two films can make that, Wonder Woman can make 250 easy by having a nice assertive female character. She was absolutely the scene-stealing best part of Batman versus Superman. Um, I think that's a level of – I think there's a level of um, people are ready for a different direction to the DC um, you know, extended universe. And I think it can start right here with a film that I think can make 250 just walking in the door. I'm going to go Wonder Woman at number four. Wow. That's uh, impressive. Very impressive. Patrick? Well, my number four has already been mentioned here, and it has to do with the uh, the marketability. And I remember specifically, I think, texting you when I saw this trailer and going, I don't think I've even seen the first two of these movies, and I want to see the third one. And it's Despicable Me 3. And I think for me, it's part of it has to do with just really great teaser trailer that just got me laughing. And I was like, I don't even know these characters that well. I'm, I mean, I'm familiar with them. But also, I just love Steve Carell. And I think Steve Carell is a fantastic actor uh, all around. But I think his his voice acting in this and the little bits that I've seen have just made me chuckle. Not that I'm the marker, obviously. But I think, just like you guys have mentioned, Despicable Me 3 has gotten so much love in general as a franchise. And how the minions themselves have become kind of their own thing that I don't think you can ignore keeping this out of the top five. I mean, obviously you guys have picked it high enough that, uh, that it's before mine, but I'm, you know, I had to put an animated feature somewhere in my top five because that's always going to be a big moneymaker. And it was between this and cars three cars. Two didn't get a lot of love. Cars three looks infinitely better, better. Yeah. But also darker. And so it may attract a different audience. So I was kind of on the fence between those two and I went ahead and kind of went with the safe bet and said, despicable me three. Well, is this where we get to close the book on Despicable Me Three? Have we all said it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm with it's you. Kinda, it's kind of like Dirty Santa. Once it's been talked about three times, you can't talk about it anymore. I'm okay with it. No, <laughs> I'm this. I'm right there with you. Where I'm not a fan of this franchise at all. One of the one of the few zero star reviews I've ever written is for Minions. It's a piece of trash, and so <laughs> I'm I'm happy to see the list done. But I, you're right though. It's going to make a ton of money. 
Yeah, I you know I actually don't hate them. I, I've I've stayed away from Minions simply because of the buzz. I never got around to seeing that one. But I mean, my kids, guys, the year after Minions, I was pegged to be a Minion for Halloween. I mean, I, you just can't ignore the love that it has, you know, amongst the younger generation, even if we Very all true. know what it is. And I agree with Patrick. I do think the trailer for this one is infinitely better than what Minions showed us. And I'm Agreed. I'm mildly interested in this one, and I probably will see it. I don't think I'll see it in the theater. But, uh, yeah, anyway, good stuff, good stuff. So where, where are we at? We're on number four, right? Four. Who's gone? I guess let me go. Number I'll go next for number four. So my number four is uh, what I consider another or the other, the fourth, I guess, four, fourth $1 billion potential franchise that we have going this summer. And so it has to be there for me. And that is Pirates 5. Now, oh my god! Again, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> yeah. picking these movies based on whether or not they're going to be very good. Well, no, I think this one's running out of gas. I don't I, know if it can ascend where it can ascend anymore. I don't know if it can either, but I'm banking on it being able to. And and the reason is because there's been a gap. They are trying to make a tonal shift. We have some A-list actors. Can I say that about Javier Bardem? Am I allowed? No. Okay, we have a B plus actor. <laughs> B plus uh, actor. Plus Johnny Depp. Villain. No, I, I I do think though the buzz that I have heard amongst my friends about this film it's it's getting talked about, and even in a little bit more critical film criticism circles, people are interested in it, and I think that that's going to propel it. It's the summer. It's a movie about pirates, and this one's going to draw now. The hardest part about these lists this year, guys, I think, is there There are so many blockbusters. A couple of these are probably going to knock the other ones out. So whatever whatever gets the most, they very well could cancel each other. Because well, yeah. placement, placement is key. They're you so know? similar. That's, yeah. I tell you what, one of my dividing things has been, well, what weekend is it in? And what's before it and what's after? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's, that was one of my, my leanings as well for going with pirates this high is that it's coming out very early in the right. year and it has some staying power potential. Um, man, Disney's going to have a good year, fellas. Uh, this is, Oh gosh. Yeah. I think, I think half of this list is Disney. So anyway, my number four is pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean five. And, uh, I'm actually excited about it. So we'll, we'll see how that one shakes out. Uh, Steve, are you, are you last for number four? I am. All right. What you got? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to stir it up even a little bit more. Um, the uh, the first installment of this franchise I think came out in 2011-ish. Uh, it was surprisingly excellent. Uh, the one that came out, the second one that came out a couple years later was even better. And the box, I think, uh, went up by about another 150. And I think it's trending in the right direction. The trailers look amazing. And I'm going to stretch here and go War for the Planet of the Apes going at four. Um, I think this franchise has proven that it's it's well-crafted. It's some of the most seamless CGI I've seen in in movies, um, in the blockbuster era at least. Um, And and I think it's it's just going to – the third installment of this, I think people are looking forward to it. That they, they trust this franchise at this point. Um, you know, it, it's done well the, the first two, and I, I just think it's trending up in the right direction. 
um, and some of the other movies that uh, that you're touting, I think, to Don's point, I think that the the they're running out of gas, and I think people are are going to going to go towards the the movie that they uh, that they trust is going to be really good, and I think it's going to be really good too. So going Apes at four. Wow. Well, again, I, I'm not going to be surprised. However, this shakes out, I don't think, uh, because there are so many good ones that have that potential uh, to elevate. It's just going to be a matter of finding out which ones it is. Um, Steve, let's stay with you. What's your number five? Um, well, to, to all your points, it, it, it's still going to make a lot of money. So I have Transformers uh, at number five. Um, I, you know, uh, I, I liked the first one. I thought the second and the third one, and, and however many they've done at this point, I think they're just getting progressively, uh, you know, just and yeah, just it, it's it's Michael Bayham, you know, you know, the script pretty much just reads uh, Sam Witwicky, boom, 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 blast, roll credits, we'll be here, you know, that, that's pretty much the how a Transformers uh, movie plays out. Um, and this is going to be the same thing. It's just going to be a cash cow, and everybody's going to complain that's another horrible Transformers movie, and, and Michael Bay is going to you know, just fill his wallet with another one. Um, and I don't see how it's not going to going to land, you know, at least in the top half of the uh, of the top ten. So number five. All right. I'll follow right. I'll follow right there with you, uh, Steve. It's my number five as well. Um, all the Transformers movies, no matter how terrible they are, they they get an audience. You know, um, none of them have ever been under two hundred forty-five million dollars domestic gross. So, you have to think, even with this film, you know, the franchise souring or running out of gas or too much Mark Wahlberg, it's gonna make two hundred minimum. You know, it's got to. So, yeah, it's my number five, um, pacing behind something progressive like Wonder Woman and ahead of a few other places. But uh, yeah, it's my number five as well. Patrick, what, are you about, what about you? Are you going with Transformers at number five? Transformers won't make my list on principle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Strong principles. <laughs> no, it, it made my list, uh, but not at number five. The, my number five is Pirates. I'm with you, Aaron. I think that the even though we, we've definitely seen a trend downward, and I can personally attest to that, that the, the film is progressively – got just less appealing i feel like the the gap in between these two movies and the different tone i say different the uh, what feels like a, a a screenplay that has some refreshness to it some sense of hey look this is a pirates movie. Yes, we know what we are, but we're going to give you something a little different. I, I just think that the story is appealing to me. I think, I think it's got a lot of just incredible, um, just action pieces from the trailers. And I think that to me, it doesn't feel like it's connected to the rest. I mean, we've got, yes, Jack Sparrow for sure, but I feel like there's enough of a cast around him that he doesn't have to be the, the centric character. And I feel like, when I when I see the trailers, I get I get more excited about that, and that's something that that surprises me because after after at World's End, I was like, okay, no more, no more, please, no more pirates. We've made enough money off of a Disney ride. We don't need to do this anymore. But I think in the same vein as Transformers, you're gonna find an audience of people that uh, appreciate that, and it's an early, you know, it's it's a first half of the summer, I believe it's first half. Um, release and so i think you're going to find people that haven't felt that blockbuster fatigue 
just yet. So they're, you're going to have you're going to have a, a, an audience there for that. Oh yeah, and it's... I will probably be I will probably be in that audience. Oh, I will too. I mean, it's the second big one in my opinion. I mean, we have Guardians in early May, uh, and then we have Alien Covenant, which is not a widely uh, reachable film, and then and then it's Pirates. Like it's the yeah. next one up. So um, it has it has it has the opportunity for sure. My number five, we're on number five, right? My number five is Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, like you guys, I too think it's going to do very, very well, and that's why I have it as the second highest comic book film of the summer. However, a couple things bothered me with it. Placement, uh, if it being a later release, and also with it being, I believe, the third release, uh, comic book-wise, of the summer. So we'll have Guardians, we'll have Wonder Woman, potentially could both be still playing in theaters by the time this rolls around. Um, I don't think it's going to kill Spider-Man's earnings, but I think it's going to just knock into it enough that it's going to push it down a little bit. And, you know, if it wasn't for these other, you know, billion dollar club franchises pumping out new installments, I probably would have this higher. But the fact of the matter is that while people do turn out for these Marvel movies and these comic book films, they still have a more niche audience than like a Pirates and a Transformers. It's it's a wider reach. I don't know why, but it is. And so we'll have to see how that how that turns out. I do think that, like you guys have said, uh, Robert Downey Jr. being the main point of this film or being the, the kind of star draw for this one will probably put butts in seats. Um, <laughs> that actually worries me a little bit about the film itself frankly, because I don't know that I want that. I want it to be about Spider-Man. So we'll, we'll have to see how that, that shakes out. But yep. Number five for me, Spider-Man. All right. Number six, Patrick, you want to lead us off? Yes, sir. I will kick us off. And I'm going to agree with Steve in that while franchises like pirates and transformers seem to be trending down, there's something pretty amazing about the rebooted, uh, planet of the apes franchise that tends to just get better and better and better. I think one of our uh, one of our our folks in the, our our uh, Facebook group mentioned. He said, "Movies, these movies shouldn't be this good. You know, you've got such an amazing uh, just progression of stories. Uh, I loved the first one. The second one wasn't as appealing to me, but I want to revisit it in anticipation of War for the Planet of the Apes. But I just, you know." I, I never want to gawk over technical stuff, but I think the CG and being able to see these almost humanized faces in these apes, the the latest trailer just got me so excited about um, this face off between human and ape. And, you know, when you got a guy like Woody Harrelson as your, what, I guess sort of antagonist, uh, there's something pretty fun about that. And I, I just, I'm looking forward to it. This is a movie that, I, I think early on I didn't really have a lot of interest in, and as the as the uh, marketing started kind of getting pushed for it, I started saying, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. Yeah, I forgot about this." And and, and I agree. I think it's a, a, a I think it's a franchise that's on the rise. And so yeah, it's my number. It's my number six. Awesome, Steve. Um, well, I mentioned earlier that there was a few animated flicks this year. Um, I'm not looking forward to this one. I didn't even see the second one, but I don't know how you can overlook the power of Pixar. Um, I know that that Cars, the Cars franchise, and in my opinion, it's it's 
down at the bottom of Pixar's uh, library as far as entertainment for me. But I know that uh, I know the kids uh, kids like it a lot. Um, and, and I'm not sure that uh, out of principle, I'm not sure that a Pixar flick is going to fall below number six uh, for for a year. So that's what I'm going to go with. Number six is uh, Cars three. Well, I'm going to piggyback but, off of you, Steve, because I as well have Cars three at number six. I don't think there's any way this one falls further than that. Um, the trailer got me hyped. The the trailer I went back and watched the trailer for Cars two, and it was not that exciting. So it was really not too surprising that that film fell flat. Um, I still think that Lightning McQueen has a draw. Uh, Disney is a marketing buzzsaw and will will get people out to see this. And I I just I I don't know. I just I can't I can't go against Pixar. That's that's all it is. It's it's a gut feeling, just like you said. Well, for me, it's you know, it's like Monsters University was because Monsters Inc. I think is still my favorite of the Pixar flicks. Um, and when they did Monsters University, I was really excited for it, but ultimately let down by it. It was okay, um, but Cars Three sort of falls in that same thing. It feels like that that Pixar is just putting out these these films on occasion throughout the years to to buy themselves time for their next you know big one that, mm-hmm. that nobody sees coming like their inside outs or their incredibles or something like that this feels like this feels like a, a baseball hall of fame vote for a guy who didn't really deserve to get there but you got to vote for somebody so cars three kind of like feels like it's this year's you know burt blylevin so uh it's going to be in there. It's going to make its money just because it's Pixar and, and it's animated in a family film and stuff. But, you know, I don't have a lot of excitement about it. And I don't know what they have coming out next year. Uh, or they have one coming out. I saw a trailer. And I don't yeah, the remember. second one coming out this year. It's Coco later in November. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That that's going to be, that's going to be their big one. Even yeah. Cars 3 does. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too. But yeah. What about you, well, uh, Don? Well, I will finish the string with um, equally having Cars Cars three right there at number six. Um, when uh, I, I because the exact same reason you guys have said before, I, there is not a chance you can discount what Pixar can do and just bringing in an audience. I think Pixar is one of those movie, um, one of those companies that can just can make lemonade out of bad lemons, you know, and, and change it up a little bit where um, I do think when you see this trailer that this film is going to be better than Cars 2. Cars 2, even for as maligned as it is, it still made $191 million domestic at the box office. Even Monsters University, when it wasn't all that thought of, it still made $268 million at the, bo- at the domestic box office. So if Cars 3 is even remotely better than Cars 2 – and on par with something like Monsters U, that has to be an easy 200 plus. They're coming off of their biggest box office hit ever with with Finding Dory. I think they're riding too good of a high um, with uh, with their audience, with their nostalgia. Where it's just it's going to do just fine. In fact, I think I think I I think I'm ranking Cars three almost too low. You know, no, I mean, no offense to Transformers and some of the things I have above it. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if. Cars 3 pulls a top three finish this summer at all. Um, I just think that's can, that's going to where it's – I think that's just the trajectory it's going to go. Um, I'll, you know what? I'll even play the hook and start number seven because I'll piggyback what's already been said on War for the Planet of the Apes because I have that at number seven as well. And um, you're right. I'm right there with you. I think this is a franchise that came out of nowhere and gets better every time. Um, I think the world of the second film – 
uh, as just a um, just as a build up to war kind of film. And it, it was it was I think it was in my top ten of the year as a, as a ten best, even on a critic level where you have all that other stuff. Um, the first film made one hundred and seventy six million dollars domestic. The second one made two hundred and eight million dollars domestic. This film, I don't think Woody Harrelson is as good as Gary Oldman, and I'm not sure if this one's getting as much of a marketing push as the last one did. But to think this can't make another 200 is just is illogical. I think that's uh, that's why number seven. I think it's still in that tier of films that are going to make 200 plus. Nice. Well, my number seven, I'll go ahead, is Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman. Uh, I don't I don't see it falling too much further below that. Um, it is a unique film in the superhero genre, as we haven't had anything highly female-centric before like this. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I think this movie's actually going to hit this mark or not for me, but I'm a Gal Gadot homer. Uh, she's amazing. I want her back in the Fate of the Furious or the Fast and the Furious series uh, badly, and I think that there is enough of a draw. I think this is the most unique one we're going to get this summer. Uh, and so there's some some special draw to that uh, for people. And so Wonder Woman for me, it comes in at number seven. Patrick, very cool, man. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and piggyback off of off of that, Aaron, because uh, Wonder Woman is my number seven as well. And for not only the reasons you mentioned, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Gal Gadot fan, uh, as well as a an optimist. I I I enjoyed Batman v Superman. I didn't enjoy Suicide Squad, and so as as a personal fan, I'm going. This feels like it's a movie that could have redemption for the DCEU, and and you know you can call it riding the ship. I don't necessarily think that's an accurate statement, but I think because of the success that Wonder Woman as a character and Godot as an actress had in Batman v Superman. I really think that this is going to be a nice launching pad and people will want to see this not only because she's a, she's a great actress and she's got an amazing cinema presence, but because they want this to succeed. I mean, you're always going to have the haters out there, the DC haters or whatever, but I'm one of these people that says, I think this is a bold statement to say, we're going to have a female uh, protagonist as our superhero. And I don't, I don't know that, I don't think Mar- Marvel hasn't done this in terms of you know a solo movie, right? Where a female, no, no we've called yeah, Cap- for Captain it. Captain Marvel's Captain Marvel's the one that's going to have it. It's two years away. Yeah, sure. They, they won't and make so us I... a Black Widow movie for some reason. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so I love think that, that optimism, though, Patrick. Love that optimism. I, I just, I just feel like like she has the potential to to really do something uh, unique for not only the DCEU but for for superhero ness in general. So yeah, that's my number seven. All right, who's who's left? Yeah, me. Um, I'm gonna piggyback onto the piggyback here because I have Wonder Woman at number seven as well. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys have said here, and you know, I I'm a Marvel guy. Um, I want I want all these movies to be great. I want the DC uh, universe to be great, but I, I've found it to be lacking so far. Um, you know, Man of Steel, BVS, uh, Suicide Squad. Very uh, all underwhelming to me, um, so I'm I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. You know, the Wonder Woman trailer looks good, but you know, so did the trailer for a lot of those other ones, um, and then and then I was let down. But I think I think the time has come for the female uh, centered uh, film, 
Um, and it's a, it, it's kind of interesting because DC has been riding sort of the coattails and they've been reacting to everything Marvel's been doing all along, trying to, to keep up with the Joneses. But I'll give them credit. They're the first ones that, you know, had the sack to, to actually go out and say, okay, here's, here's a female-centric. Now, I hope the fans back it up. Um, they've been, we, Me too. There's been a lot of clamoring for a female-centered uh, movie. Uh, well, here it is, people. Let's uh, let's get out and support it and, and hope it's good. Um, but I, I think there's enough there's enough uh, superhero fans out there, and enough people are just going to be curious to see what this is going to do that that's going to put it up there. And, and, I, and number seven could be could be too low on the list, but that's where that, I, that's why it's number four for me. I mean, I, I just think it's the right time, you know, for, for not just the female audience, but for the comic book audience, um, there's enough of a gap here with, with where DC's finishing up from a suicide squad going this direction. Yeah. Um, I, I'm rooting for it. I hope it does well. All right. Well, Don, since you're talking, how about you kick us off with number eight? Oh, I love, love, love my number eight pick just because it's so silly. I have Baywatch. Nice. Not nice. gonna lie. Um, to me, um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson makes everything better. Every time I review a Dwayne the Rock Johnson film on my website, and I do my life lessons, lesson number one is always the Rock makes everything better because every single thing he touches lately, he just immediately improves. Um, he just he's he's a leading man. There's a reason why he's starting to make those charts as the the top, you know, not just top paying, but top grossing star in the business right now. Um, I track Baywatch um, on the same track as something like 21 Jump Street or 22 Jump Street. And um, 22 Jump Street actually made more money than 21 Jump Street. And that film finished with $191 million domestic, where I have to think you take kind of the same fun, R-rated silliness and you put The Rock in it. You have to make that, you know, hundred at least that 191 that 22 Jump Street did, and maybe a little better, and then some. So I have Baywatch, and absolutely no shame putting it in number eight. All right, what about you, Steve? Um, eh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but to your point, it, you know, it's just it's just one of those franchises that just just collects money, um, you know, for whatever reason. I. I I think it is out of gas. The first one was a whole lot of fun, um, and it's all been downhill from there, um, in my opinion. Um, and so I don't know what to expect from this one. Um, you know, the, they're they're teasing uh, that Kira Knightley's back in the mix here, so that may draw some people back in, thinking it's more along the lines of the first. Um, but yeah, I put it basically at number eight just because it needed to be somewhere on my list. Um, another one, I saw the last one, I thought it was horrible, so I'm not really looking forward to this one, but but my butt will be in the seat to, to see it, and, and then I'll probably regret it. But uh, number eight. All right. Patrick? <laughs> Just one word for my number eight. I'm going to go with Cars. I, I think like you guys, Pixar is really it's, – it's hard to call it a miss. But because of the history of this franchise, knowing that one was so good and two was not so great, I, I, I couldn't put it higher than eight. I feel like the the characters are a draw. Uh, even you know the marketing is good for it. I'm intrigued actually by the storyline. I love the darker storyline to it, and the the marketing for it of introducing these new characters has gotten me pretty excited about it. And the thing about animated features 
is and why we want to put them in you know our top five or whatever uh or you know even in the top 10 is the fact that they have a mass appeal you know adults will go see these and so will kids and to me cars three is one of those that i think has a wide appeal because as an adult i see some really cool stuff happening in this in this trailer and the story looks pretty intriguing but i know that there are going to be a ton of kids that go out and want to see lightning mcqueen do his thing again and so for me um i couldn't keep it out of my top 10 didn't quite make my top five uh so yeah number eight cars three all right well that leaves me and this is where i land with war for the planet of the apes uh, again this this is not indicative of what i think the quality of the film is going to be or what i think the film's potential to earn is going to be um this is just a matter of so many dadgum blockbusters this year and only you know 10 slots uh, i think you know, so much has been said about it already that, that I can just echo. The reason I have it lower um, is because as good as these films have been and as they've ended up on these lists before, I I just don't know if the appeal is broad enough yet to compete with some of these other properties. Um, I think it's going to draw in more and more and more uh, and continue to, but I just don't think it has the built-in numbers to start off that some of these other movies do. And so I, think I have another, to keep it down. I think another piece of that hindrance, cause if I'm, you know, it's only one slot higher for me at seven. I think that mid July timing is also rough. I mean, you're, you're, you know, and you're still, what is that? Two weeks after Spider-Man one week after transformers or transformers earlier in June. I mean, it's, it's just coming in. It's coming in a little late for my taste to really ramp up some momentum, even though this is the same time slot it's always come out. So maybe it'll, maybe it'll prove me wrong, but I, I see where you're coming from, Aaron. Yeah, we shall see. I mean, we're gonna, we're covering it and, and I'll be there day one. That's for sure. So again, has nothing to do with not Absolutely. wanting to see it. Um, it'll have my money. My number nine, I'll kick off. Number nine is alien covenant. Now early in the year film, uh, this one does not have any competition. I, I, I got to put a horror movie on here somewhere. Patrick, you and I were talking about this at the beginning of the, the show before we came on the air, and I had totally forgotten about it. We were we were saying, well, there's no horror movies to pick this year. Well, yeah, there are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. added it like number three. Um, so, uh, you know, like I said, I'd be very, very happy if it comes in uh, up there for you. I've personally been doing an Alien series rewatch. Uh, this last week so I've been going back through all of them and my love of this series has done nothing but grow and grow and grow the more and more I watch these films Um, most of them uh, I enjoy and several of them I enjoy highly like like all-timers that's where they sit for me so I'm ready for this one I love the trailers so far I think they capture the tone of the original alien extremely well and what it really looks like is it looks like the version of prometheus that we kind of thought we might get and we didn't get so the potential is there you know ridley it really has every opportunity in the world i think fans are going to turn out for this one so if the film is good it will have the head start it needs and it will get the momentum going and it will earn a heck of a lot of money but i just don't think that it's going to compete with some of these others because of you know it's r-rated horror movie so I don't think it has the the ceiling that some of the others do. And so for me, that's why it's at number nine. Anybody want to take a stab? Uh, I'll hop in. Oh, go ahead, Steve. 
Um, well, yeah, my uh, I'm I'm going to introduce a new one here. Um, I think I think folks are going to be looking for more adventure or something different in adventure than just the standard pirates and transformers and stuff. And I think um, I think the bad taste from the first uh, movie uh, is is far enough removed where this is sort of a reboot. I think you have some star power behind it. And I'm going with the mummy at number nine. Um, I, I think that there's there's a lot of marketing, a lot of hype behind this one from what I've seen so far. And I think it just looks leaps and bounds better than the mummy that we remember seeing with, uh, who was it, Brendan Fraser uh, back in the day. Um, and I think Tom Cruise is still a viable action star. Um, he, you know, Jack Reacher 2 aside, that, that, but I don't think that was his fault. Um, he's still propelling the Mission Impossible series to... to to good numbers, um, and I think he's going to take this one. I think people just want to see something different. Um, so I think I think the Mummy comes in at number nine. All right, Don, what do you got? Um, finally, I have to respect the idea that it just is a vacuum for money. Uh, at number nine, I finally have Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales. Um, none of the Pirates of the Caribbean films have ever been under two hundred forty million dollars total. I still think this franchise. Even with the gap to wash the taste away, um, even with the May timing of release, I still don't – I think this is the one that gets forgotten uh, or at least passed over by a few things. Even though it's going to get passed over, it's still going to make enough um, to at least crack the top ten here at number nine. Um, I can't put it any higher than that, but I'll close the book on Pirates for our list. All right. Patrick? Yes, sir. I'm going to echo Steve's sentiment, and I'm going to put uh, – I'm putting The Mummy at my number nine. And my reasoning behind this is really, if I understand correctly, there's this world building, this universe building of these monsters. Every movie uh, has a world building universe behind right, it Right, but days. I'm saying we've got, we had Godzilla, <laughs> and then we brought out Kong earlier this year, and now we're bringing out the mummy. And I believe different, all those- Different are, universe, Patrick. Different universe. Is it? Yes. Is it different? The universal monsters- uh, Oh, oh are, God, it better be a different universe. They're different. The mummy <laughs> is in a in a universe where- I gosh, Drake, I don't even know oh. Frankenstein maybe and Dracula and some of those other those other guys live. Okay. Uh, Kong I just don't and Godzilla want to see Tom are Cruise. I just don't want to see Tom Cruise try to run away from Kong or Godzilla. <laughs> well, I stand corrected. Um in any case, I, I agree with Steven that I think that this is gonna be something different that people want to see. The the original teaser didn't really appeal to me, but the the more involved trailer really kind of brought out more of what the story's gonna be about. And um, it feels kind of horror-ish. I mean, there's some darker kind of creepy elements to it that I think are going to be a different taste for a lot of people. I don't know how wide that that taste is going to expand, but I think that at least people are going to say, hey, this looks like something that's not quite the blockbuster that we've been getting used to. And so for me, I think I think it, it sits nicely at number nine for me. All right. Well, why don't you tell us your number 10, too? My number 10. Let's see. This is an important spot. This is the second most important pick. <laughs> no pressure. Well, like, well as, as, we, as we know, you always have an animated feature that, 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 that hits big in the box office, but you always have, uh, at least typically you have a runaway comedy hit. And, uh, and I, I think that when you put the words Dwayne Johnson in the cast – you are elevating the success of that film. And so for me, my number 10 is Baywatch. I think that 
there's enough about it that's going to poke fun at itself and have um, just this monster kind of, I don't know, raunch comedy appeal to it. Uh, it's going to bring people that were fans of the show uh, for whatever reason, you know, whatever reason you didn't, you know, take your, you know, choosing or whatever. But I think the fact that you have Dwayne Johnson in here as your lead actor is, is going to elevate the audience. It's going to bring more people in just because he's in it. And, uh, and I think it's going to be the, the runaway comedy hit, not necessarily the runaway hit of the summer, obviously, but I, I could not leave it out of my top 10. And so it's going to finalize, it's going to finish out my top 10, uh, with Baywatch. All right, Steve, you go next. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said there, but, uh, and, and it, it scares me that I didn't really add a, you know, breakout comedy to my list this year. I'm, I'm going to ride a real dark horse here. I'm going to stick with the animation. I'm going to stick with the, the family friendly stuff. And I'm going to go with captain underpants. Nice pick. Number, in nice number pick. 10. Don't, don't dis uh, don't discount the DreamWorks animation studio. Um, you know, from what I hear, this is from a, of a love, a beloved children's, Oh, it is or something. Oh, I, 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 got, I got a twelve-year-old boy, so I can speak to it. Really? Uh, yeah, it must be. It must uh, post-date my my daughter's twenty-one, so it must it must be more recent than that. Because I honestly had never heard of this up until a couple of weeks ago. I checked out the trailer. I thought it was cute, uh, and I think I think there's going to be enough enough of the family movie dollars to go around. I, like I said, I, I think. Cars three is going to make its bank, but I don't I don't know if anybody's all that excited for Cars three, um, and, I, and I think Captain Underpants is is going to steal some of that family dollar um, at the theaters this year, and I, that's where I have him at number ten. Very very good pick. Th- this is a good spot to take that shot in the dark, and because this can this can win or lose it for you. To be honest, this this thirteen point swing if you if you hit on number ten um, last year, I had Angry Birds at number ten. And I was about ten million off because Angry Birds came in at number eleven. If it if it had, if it had been number ten, I would have run away and, and won uh, the whole thing. So it's it can be the big big difference. Uh, and like it's like that's an animated movie, right? So it's a good slot for it. Don, what do you got? Uh, I'm not going to echo Steve, but I'll give him, kind of give him props. I think he's got the right logic with uh, Captain Underpants because uh, also it's got that early June release where a lot of those family films just linger and have repeat business. So for it to be in June more than July, um, I think it'll resonate. Um, I am going to take a swing at something different at number 10, and um, I'm going to go with a little bit of counter-programming. Now, not quite the comedy counter-programming or the horror counter-programming, but um, I'm going to go with Dunkirk at number 10. Um, I think um, I think there's going to be with with this much um, saturation of, of blockbusters. I think there's going to be a, a time and a place where um, a film of a little bit of pedigree can come in and impress people and can get a little bit of um, good business and strong business. And um, Christopher Nolan's name alone has that sizzle. Um, I know. I mean, a thousand years ago. Uh, Saving Private Ryan eventually passed Armageddon as the top grossing film of 1998. So I'm not saying Dunkirk can put up Saving Private Ryan numbers, but um, with a, with an easy PG-13 rating, uh, with some strong, outstanding marketing so far, with the, with the Nolan name, um, yeah, I'm, I have Dunkirk. If Interstellar 
if Interstellar can make $188 million kind of in November and off-peak a little bit, um, I got to think something like Dunkirk can impress enough in a, in a due amount of time in July to make 150 and, and and round out this top 10. I'm going Dunkirk. Well, I, I had it there for a while, and I hope you're right, but I've got to say I had to back off of it because – I, I just don't see the broad appeal. I, I, the name is a draw, like I you said, you. but man, this is not going to be even a World War II film. And and I think once it comes out, I think people might fall away from it when they realize that's not what this is. I don't know if you've read much of Christopher Nolan's explanations of what he says the film's going to be like, but this is not going to be what people think of of a World War II war film. Um, it's it's going to be Chris Nolan, <laughs> you know. It's going to be Interstellar in Allied Europe uh, instead. And, and, and so, I'm okay. And I'm I mean, okay we love that. that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I just, man, I just don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't go there. Th- this is such a tough spot for me. Um, I have flopped back and forth between Baywatch and The Mummy for a week and a half, two weeks now. Um, ultimately, I think I have to go with Baywatch here as well, because I feel like there's always a comedy that's getting in the list. And so I, I got to get this in there at the very least, uh, to have more of a point chance for the hit. Um, and I just, it, frankly, I love the trailers, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a raunchy comedy kind of guy. And this kind of is on that borderline. It's not as raunchy as something that is like chips, which is, I would not even watch, but I don't know. There's 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 something about the Rock's chemistry with with everybody and uh, and you know Efron here. I love him in the trailers, and I think that they're going to make for such an outstandingly hilarious duo. Um, Neighbors did good business with with Zac Efron in it, you know, surprisingly. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm going Baywatch with my number ten as well. <sighs> All right, so that rounds out i think the top tens and uh let's just quickly now go over our three dark horse picks i'm I'm guessing that many of them are going to be films that we've already mentioned that we just didn't get into our main list so uh patrick do you want to go first yeah and we're just naming all three at once right yeah just run down all three pretty quickly okay well um my, i have two hopefuls and i have one it's going to make money so i'm putting it in there uh, the one that's going to make money is Transformers: the, the Last Night. I couldn't justify putting it in my top ten for you know principal reasons, but I definitely had to put it somewhere. So it definitely makes my dark horse. I feel like it's going to make something for me. So at least I'll take the points for it. The other two, Don mentioned one of them, Dunkirk. I think I don't think it's going to make as much money as we'd like it to, you know, because we love that kind of film. But I feel like in my heart I want it to, and so that's going to will it to make enough to maybe crack the top 10 there. And then the third one kind of falls in that same category, Baby Driver. I really, 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 really want this to make money. Um, This is kind of my, I don't expect it to, but I'm going to be optimistic about it anyway. So I think Baby Driver is going to do something special. Um, If, if nothing else, it's going to make me smile more than, more than once or twice in the you know, course of two hours for a fun, you know, driving movie. <laughs> so it's also going to be a, the first movie we've seen together in a theater since the Amazing Spider-Man. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. And so the uh, the you know for you know for one of, for that multitude of reasons, I'm putting it as a dark horse. Even though I don't think it's going to make the money that it needs to to get me points, you know, seeing it with my best friend is going to be enough to say you deserve a dark horse. Heck yeah! All right, uh, Don, what are your three? Uh, 
kind of the same logic we have in a lot of places. Um, I did not know where to put Alien Covenant. Um, Prometheus only made $126 million domestic um, back in the day. And I know that the name recognition is back, and I know that the improved standing of Ridley Scott is back, but I just... That was the that was the like well, like what Patrick just said about Transformers. It's gonna make money. It's gonna do fine. It's right in the right place in me. I just didn't know where to put it. Um, I'm gonna uh, echo what you guys have done, or at least what Steve done to kind of crack a top ten. Captain Underpants has that draw and audience and appeal where it too is gonna make money, and I'd be happy to see it you know, knock something else off the list. <clears throat> Number nine, Pirates. Uh, Something like that would be awesome. Um, and then um, my third dark horse, I love that pick of Baby Driver. I couldn't do it because I, like, like you said, it's I, I gotta think with my head and not my heart. Um, I'm gonna go with um, I wrestled between the Mummy and another one, but I'm gonna go with the other one. Um, I'm gonna do King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Um, oh, oh cool. I know, I know, That's I know, a, I know. Hey, I'm, I, I, that was almost one of my dark horses. Why? That's the thing. It's why? The why of my my reasons why are. Um, it's May, which means that it has a ton of time to kind of build out there a little bit. Um, Guy Ritchie has some sizzle with the Sherlock Holmes movies where he can he can make something that's at least interesting enough. I don't think the film's going to be any good. I think it's this year's Lone Ranger, but even this year's Lone Ranger has to make, you know, 120 to 150 million dollars just by accident. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm going to take a shot that I, you know, if I was doing a side bet with somebody at the table here. I think King Arthur Legend of the Sword can make more money than The Mummy because I think The Mummy is a been there, done that thing where you're like, oh, my God, they're making it again, and I don't even care if it's Tom Cruise. Um, I'll say today King Arthur Legend of the Sword makes more money than The Mummy, and it takes my last Dark Horse spot. Wow. Well, that's what this that's what these spots are for, uh, and, and I love it. I love the obscureness and the I – like, I like hearing you go for it. So it's good stuff. Steve? Um, my, uh, my dark horses here, alien covenant, uh, to Don's point, I think Prometheus ended up in the number 10 slot domestically for the summer of the year that it came out. Um, yeah, it could slide a little higher. Um, but to, you know, what, like what you said, Don, I, I just couldn't justify it in the top 10. I think it's just going to be on the outside looking in, uh, Baywatch, uh, again, another one I, I fully admit could could trickle up into that top 10 very easily. Uh, it's hard to bet against the rock in any capacity at this point. Um, but, but I think there's just too many blockbusters that are just going to push some of these out. And my last one is, is really going on on a limb here. Um, it, it's, it's really kind of late in the season. Um, uh, uh, August 4th, I believe, but there's, there's legitimately nothing on the other side of it. And I think people are going to be intrigued. They've been harping for this one for a while. I'm going the Dark Tower uh, as as that one that is it's going to be front loaded. Whatever money nice it makes, pick. it's going to make in that first I or agree. second week. Um, but there's really nothing to slow it down through Labor Day, in my opinion. And and it's just going to be one of those ones to watch. I think. Wow. Well, I I love it. I love hearing all the the unique ones here. I mean, it sounds like practically 12 out of 13 of our lists have all been the same and we've all kind of got like that one special one that nobody else has so it'll be fun to see if those films kind of turn the tide for i mean these are only worth a point but i mean with three of us tying out of four last year those those points are pretty important too (laughs) 
for my final three, um, as I mentioned, I had the mummy and Baywatch so close and I flipped. So, um, the mummy would be my first dark horse pick. Uh, my second is Dunkirk. I, I do think it's going to make money. Um, and I, I hope that it makes enough money, uh, to get in there. I mean, I, I'm, it's one of my most anticipated films of the year. Um, I just don't know, just don't know how it's going to shake out. And then my number three, I, 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 I left at your uh, King Arthur pick, but I mean, I'm going crazy too, for the record. Um, this is a late July release. <laughs> this is a Go late crazy. July release and it doesn't have a rating yet. I'm expecting it to be PG 13, which can seriously enhance its draw. Um, it is a very unique and, and, and this could be, this is like Warcraft. I mean, this could be a complete bomb or this could be a huge, huge surprise hit. And I, so I'm going with Valerian and the city of a thousand. Nice. Um, I feel like this has potential to draw in the teenage audience, uh, and some of those younger kids and get them into a new sci-fi property. You know, this is like a John Carter shot, you know, for the, for the record. And, and I just don't know, I don't know what's going to happen with it. And that's why it lands here, but I'm rooting for it. That's for sure. Um, it's got incredible pedigree and it, it has potential. And, uh, Luke Besson, you know, he's going to get some people in seats. We'll see what happens long-term. And if it has I, enough, I, I love that in your comparison, you in supporting this, you referred to <laughs> Warcraft and John Carter, you know? Oh, like, oh yeah. Who did not do well. I know. I'm, I'm, I, I am a John Carter apologist. Over I, here. I, I am as well. I, I am. I love so, all right. Well, guys, uh, that's it for the, the list. I'm pumped to see how this shakes out. As we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, we are inviting you all listeners to play along. The way you're going to do that is very, very important that you follow these instructions. You're going to email us your picks for number one through ten, being sure to list them in box office order that you want, and then also your three dark horse picks. The only way to submit your picks is to email us at feelinfilm at gmail.com. Again, that's feelinfilm at gmail.com, F-E-E-L-I-N-F-I-L-M at gmail.com. No other submissions will be accepted. That means you can't message me on Facebook with your picks. You can't put them in the Facebook group in a post. You can't send them to me on Twitter. You've got to email us, and we have a very important reason for that because we need to collect them there, and we need to make sure they're in by the deadline. The deadline is May 1st, so all submissions must be received by then. That gives us a chance to build your scoreboard. Yes, that's what I said. You guys, listeners, are going to have your own scoreboard as well. So we're going to create that and put it on the website so you can track your progress as well along throughout the summer with us. Uh, There will be some as-yet-to-be-determined prize for the winner if you beat all of us. We may do some prizes anyway, but I'm guaranteeing something if somebody is able to beat all four of us. Uh, We know you really wanted to do this last year, and we're really thrilled that we have a way to offer it to you for you to play along with us this summer. Well, that's it, guys. Uh, Our picks are locked in, and at this point, I guess now we just have to wait and see where the dollars fall. So... Thank you, Don. Thank you, Steve, for being here. It's been great talking with you guys again. Patrick? This is going to be a bloodbath. Oh. (laughs) For all of us, right? Yeah. Absolutely. This This is going to be horrible. 
I'm going to find a transformer. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be fun. I love it. Well, Patrick, we ought to end as we always end. Like we always say, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.